Welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson. I am your host, and today I am here with Reverend Gracie Millard. Yay! 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 Another episode. She came back. (laughs) I didn't scare her off like everyone thought I would. So I sent Gracie an email a few weeks ago saying, hey, if you're going to be a regular podcast guest, what are some of the things that you absolutely love to talk about? And she told me, I really love talking about Grace. And I couldn't resist having a Grace conversation with Gracie. Right. So today. I was born for it. Yeah. Today, our big question is, what is Grace? Um, because I think it's one of those words that we use all the time, but we don't really dig into what does that actually mean? Are there different kinds of grace? How do we use that in like regular, uh, let's say outside of church ways versus what do we mean by it when we're in the church? Um, but before we get to all that, I just want to know, is there a story behind your name? Kind of. Yes. So for the first like, well, my mom had picked out a name for me that was not Grace um, and was sure that was going to be my name. It was my name for the first like hour and a half of my life until I started getting nicknames that she didn't like from the nurses and random people. And she's like, mm, no, we're going to change it and it's going to be Grace. <laughs> um, I guess what that was that. What was that original name? Do you know? It was Meg. Oh, okay. It was a great, a perfectly good, great name. Um, but I think... Megals, Megatron. (laughs) And she was like, no, this is an hour in and we're already messing it up. So we're going to go with Grace. And um, that's and that's how I got my name. Yeah. Well, all right. So so let's go straight into scripture. Yeah. How does the Bible define grace? What does the Bible say about grace? Which isn't a fair question because I'm I'm guessing it's <laughs> mentioned in a few different places. But. It's true. And what's funny, sort of funny about the Bible and grace is that Jesus never actually speaks the word grace. Are you kidding me? Isn't that crazy? You can do... I, I know. I did not expect to be no. stumped like that at first question. <laughs> I that I would have never guessed that. No, I I wouldn't have either until um I can't remember when and it blew my mind um because it's a word we it's like it's like every the other word yes is we use it multiple times a day in a uh, on a Sunday. Um so Jesus never actually speaks the word grace. Uh, most of where we see grace is in Paul's letters. So that's like Paul's opening. He's always saying grace and peace to you. Um, he also talks a lot about how we are saved by grace or um, things happen by the great by God's grace. And usually, grace is just what is grace? It's a huge concept that um, I've kind of to try to articulate it. It's God's love. It's God's forgiveness. It's God's it's it's an active thing. Um, it's it's a bigger thing than I think we have a word for. So we try to stick grace on it. Um, it's how God acts. It's grace is freedom. It's restoration. It's all the good things. <laughs> well, so if if most of where we get this concept of grace is from Paul, where did Paul get it from? Like, do you, is That's that a good question? Is it the Hebrew Bible or? So but he wasn't Jewish, right? Or was no, Paul, he? Paul was Jewish. Um, it is in the Hebrew Bible, but 
written differently, uh, different language and everything. So it shows up in some Psalms and some of those writings um, about God's grace. And you in Hebrew scriptures, it's usually more um, in reference to God's favor, uh, which is not dissimilar from what we understand or from um, Paul's understanding of it. Um, It certainly is God's favor. It's God's favor in a way that's God's blessing, God's love. Um, So that's more where the Hebrew scriptures um, contain grace. And it certainly is all over the place. Um, But yeah, Paul is really where we pick up a lot of it. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it was something that he just was like, he had been taught the teachings of Jesus and it was just something that he inferred from those teachings of like, you know what? I think there's something to this. Yes. I don't know. I can't make up what Paul was thinking, but no, I, I think, I mean, it's, it is a fascinating thing to think about. Like, where did Paul get this idea? I think you're right. I, I mean, that's what I tend to think is that he's like, well, all the good things, (laughs) Jesus has all the good things and it's by this mysterious thing. Let's call it grace. Yeah. Um, that's all the good things. So obviously this is a topic that you're really excited about. Why is this concept something that you feel like we need to study and define? Ooh, the trying to define something that we can't, you know, you already said that, but like, why should we spend time with this? I think it's just because it's the basis of all of our understanding of God. If we don't, grasp grace we don't really grasp god can Um, you say more about that well i i think grace when (laughs) i struggle sometimes when i write um say things about like i like god's grace be with you and like really i'm just saying god be with you because god's grace is god it's um so i think grace is just so central to our Christian faith, but like you mentioned before, it's kind of like a word I call Christianese. That's like a word we throw around, but we don't ever really define. And we just kind of expect people to figure out what it means along the way. But God's grace is amazing. And it's so much bigger than just um, forgiveness. It's a restoration. It's a healing. um, And that speaks to the whole of, I think, God's story for us. So I think that's why I love talking about it. And the language (laughs) is confusing, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have, of course, like the secular definitions of grace, which like grace can mean, I think of like a beauty pageant. Oh, sure. She's style and she's grace. She's Miss United States. (laughs) Miss congeniality. (laughs) And then... Uh, and you should, uh, thank me for not singing that by the way. Um, (laughs) and then we also have like, even within the Christianese, as you mentioned, like we mentioned things like saying grace Mm -hmm. before a meal. And like, we mean that as let's give thanks or let's say a prayer Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but that can be confusing as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's all of these different ways that we use the word. I want to get into the feeling of it a little bit. What Mm. does grace feel like to you? Gosh, I think the first time I had, I understood that this is what grace was. um, It was the most freeing and sort of like floaty feeling kind of, of, oh my gosh, God loves me so much. And yeah, maybe I, 
messed up or I just, I can't wait to, I want to do everything I can to uh, continue to experience this, not in like a way of like chasing a high, but like, this is what life is supposed to be. And this is what God has always wanted for me. Um, So it's kind of a floaty, almost um, supernatural feeling of the presence of God. You're thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. I get it. This is, I, I want to seek justice. I want to do mercy and I want to love my neighbor and love God f- for all of my life. And yes, unfortunately, those moments can be fleeting yeah. <laughs> um, and not live like that all the time. But it's remembering those moments. Um have you ever stepped, because I've heard people use the phrase like a grace-filled space or a grace-filled hmm. room. Have you ever had that feeling in like a particular environment that you just immediately felt God's grace? One that comes to mind was a Easter service, which maybe is cliche or maybe it's not, because maybe some people find Easter services boring, but I don't know. It was actually this most recent from this past year because we had been gone for, you know, we hadn't had a normal Easter service in years. And I think I was overwhelmed by the grace of and love of God from celebrating the resurrection and all that, all that resurrection means because of course it's tied into grace. It's that this gift, um, grace is a gift. And I, that that should have been in the, the from the beginning. I should have mentioned that grace is a gift. Um, so that's one one moment that comes to mind. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. I I do want to talk about grace as a gift because as we're digging into defining grace, um, you know, we are a podcast out of the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church, yes. and uh, there is a Wesleyan understanding of grace. And so leave it to the Methodists (laughs) to apply a method to grace and say, Hey, here are all the different types of grace and (laughs) here's what you can do to encounter it. Right. Um, We're so silly, but John Wesley Mm -hmm. uh, is the founder of Methodism and he talked a lot about what is grace and he defined it in a few different ways, which Mm -hmm. resonated so deeply uh, with people that we have hung on to that Mm -hmm. for a very long time. Could you talk me through the understandings of grace according to the Wesleyan tradition? Sure. This feels like my uh, thesis, my my (laughs) interviews that I've done from for the uh, like commissioning and ordination and stuff. Well, there will be no grade at the end of this. <laughs> so, but th- those prepared me well for uh, this very question, and is one of the reasons I learned to love grace and explaining and teaching it. Um, so, in the Wesleyan tradition, <clears throat> we uh, Wesley kind of outlined that there are three sort of uh, lenses of grace. They, it's all one. <laughs> we want to make sure it's not like three different ones that you experience at different times, that it's all one grace. Um, but Wesley kind of break, breaks it down into three, um, starting with what he calls preventing really prevenient grace. And that's one of the things that's kind of more unique to the Wesleyan tradition, um, or at least emphasized most in Wesleyan tradition, um, as opposed to other traditions, but provenient grace 
is the grace that goes before us. It's the grace that has been with us from the beginning, um, from the very beginning of creation. It's the grace that allows us, it's what allows us to know God. It's the things that stirs us to want to know God, that um, it's what gives us freedom of choice. Um, It's the grace that goes before we even know God. Um, It's that loving act of God that God loves us before we even can know who God is. Um, And it's just, I don't know if I can uh, articulate it. No, no, no. Let me share with you. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with Reverend Joe Schaefer, uh, but he was uh, a pastor here at Treach a while ago and he retired Uh uh, from this church. And the way that he uh, explained provenient grace to me was one of the best explanations I yeah. ever heard. And I think it was like, I think it was Einstein who said like a true genius can take a complicated concept mm. and explain it in a simple way. And that's what he did. And so he basically was explaining provenient grace. And he's like, you've eaten at a, a Mexican restaurant before, right? And I was like, yeah. And he said, when you go to a Mexican restaurant, um, do they bring you chips and salsa? I was like, yeah like every time. And he said, did you ask for it? He said, no. And he's like, you sat down at the table and maybe sometimes when you sit down, it's already there for you. Maybe sometimes as soon as you sit down, it's brought out to you. Do they care if you actually Mm. eat the chips and salsa? Yes. No, they don't care. If you finish the chips and salsa, you do choose to eat it and you finish it. Is that it? You can't have any more? Yes. No, they constantly bring you more. Like they're constantly making sure there's chips and salsa on your table at all times. Mm-hmm. He said, that's provenient grace. Mm-hmm. You don't ask for it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take it. Mm-hmm. And it never ends. Yes. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So cut everything I <laughs> <No>. said. <laughs> Keep that because that is No, take perfect. that with you. Take yeah, that with I love you. That. I'm sure that so many people have stolen that explanation. And it's Honestly, maybe he stole it from someone too, but I like to think it's a it's great. Joe Schaefer original. It's perfect because it, and it touches on the fact that, um, it's a respond, like our response to God's grace, that this grace is always readily available to us and it's readily available to everyone. Yeah. And it's up to, it's our, whether we choose to respond and accept the grace and, uh, respond to the, is really the best word. Um, yeah. Well, and, and so when you described grace as a gift, mm-hmm. it, I immediately went to provenient grace of mm-hmm. like when you're describing grace as a gift. And of course it is confusing. It, it's kind of like the Trinity and I've done podcasts on the Trinity before <laughs> where you're like, it's all one grace, but it's also three graces right. that we describe in one, <laughs> but it's all one. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, brain yeah. explosion. Um, Provenient grace, because of Joe Schaefer, is what I'm most familiar with. Mm -hmm. But the other two, justifying and Mm -hmm. sanctifying, spoiler alert, I got ahead of you, justifying and sanctifying, you're going to have to teach me because I really feel at a loss, especially sanctifying grace. I don't completely understand. So could you walk me through those two? I will do my best. Um, that's on me, not on you for understanding. <laughs> it's on my ability to explain. Uh, so justifying grace, this is again to identify that this is, they're all interrelated. So you can't, 
really separate them. Um, but justifying grace is really what, when Wesley talks about that, it's really, um, emphasizing the forgiveness of our sins and, uh, at the same time, recognizing how much God loves us. So it's holding those two concepts um, at once and sort of re- knowing that, gosh, I have, I've have some things that I'm not proud of. I can't do, I can't do this life on my own. I need help. And simultaneously recognizing that God does not hold that against me at all. Um, God has this great love for me that I, I can respond to and I can choose to live accepting that. Well, and that's what I was going to ask is justifying grace, our response to prevenient grace of like prevenient grace doesn't require our action at all, but justifying grace does require an action on our part. So that's where we get a little sticky. Um, (laughs) That's where a lot of, uh, a lot of different theologies, um, sort of come after this of saying, oh, this starts to get almost heretical of saying that we have some sort of action that we take in saving ourselves. If you can't see that I'm doing air quotes on the saving ourselves. We can feel it though. Okay. We feel the air quotes. I try to articulate, <laughs> I, you know, I try to speak with air quotes. Um, so we have, so we have to be careful about how we say um how much we participate in that that it is so we have to emphasize that this is always god's gift to us that is readily available like you said um and it's our response so trying to be a little more passive about how we participate because it's god's excuse me it's god's grace that initiates us to choose it too yeah um well and that's so like uh you mentioned justifying grace, a component of that is forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that's been um, a little confusing or murky to me is do we, I mean, it sounds like the answer is no, but this is the confusion of like, do we only receive that grace when we've asked for forgiveness? Are our sins forgiven even when we don't ask for it? But then why do we emphasize forgiveness, like asking for Mm -hmm. forgiveness so much if it's not required to receive God's grace? Like my head starts to spin. Naturally, because it's, it's a concept that's too, it's too big to try can, you know, answer every question. Um, but that's a really good point. Um, I personally believe that, um, no, that provenient grace, Jesus has taken care of, um, has taken care of forgiveness of all sins for all time. And that's, that's what provenient grace is. And justifying grace is recognizing that for, um, for yourself but at the same time, it's not necessarily, it, it gets very sticky <laughs> quickly. Well, and um, I think the word justifying mm-hmm. trips us up, right? Yes. Because when we think of justice, mm-hmm. we think of it in human terms. Sure. And I have a very specific uh, construct in mind when I think of what is justice. I think mm-hmm. of fairness. I think of retribution, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think of punishment. Yep. I think of all of these things, and that's not God's justice. Mm-mm. And so is there a different way we should be thinking about the word justifying when it comes to grace? So one way that, I can't remember if it was a professor or another pastor, so I apologize for whoever told me this, but it's being uh, counted right 
before God. So um, if our sins make us unable to stand, quote unquote, stand before God um, and receive eternal life, receive restoration, that we are unable to do that on our own. Um, Justifying grace is what God says I'm just calling you right before me. You are forgiven. So you are called right before God that you are able to stand stand before God. Uh, Wesley calls it a real or a relative change that you have not actually changed. You have your heart and your ways of living haven't changed, but God uh, calls you beloved. And I obviously have not studied this in the same way you do, but like it kind of feels like what you're describing. And I'm sure this is oversimplification because everything's going to be oversimplification. Yes. We'll just go with that. Prevenient grace is on like almost a global scale. And then justifying grace is what makes it personal of like prevenient grace was there before, during, after, like Mm -hmm. it is ever present and it is for everybody but justifying grace is like recognizing me like I it's Mm -hmm. about personal relationship with God and it's about it's not necessarily um different than prevenient grace but it's recognizing like oh this means me too and this is like I can God invites me into relationship and God invites me even with all of my shortcomings to stand before God yes and so I guess it is like individual justice for you is that I'm, I'm justice is still a hard word for me, but (laughs) (laughs) yes, no, that, that can be a helpful way of looking at it, that this forgiveness has always been there and it's you personally figuring out that that forgiveness has always been there. Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Well, I I was, that is almost exactly what Wesley said when he experienced, he said he had this strain, his heart was strangely warmed where he realized that God loved him. He had heard all his life and was, you know, son of a preacher and he knew God loved the world and that all, all the things that go with that. Um, and so he speaks of this moment that he realized that God loved him mm-hmm. and that the forgiveness was also specifically for him, John Wesley, among the world. So, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, okay, so justifying is confusing, mm-hmm. right? Sanctifying, I find even more confusing. <laughs> so let's get into that one. Sure. <laughs> well, I I think sanctifying can probably be explained a little e- more clearly. I apologize for stumbling through justifying. Um, no, I actually appreciate it because it's relatable. It's I think that sometimes when we're listening to pastors or turning to pastors, we are coming with the assumption of like, okay, they understand everything. And that's not true. We're all seeking. We're all trying to better understand and grow in our relationship with God every day. And to hear you stumble through it a little bit <laughs> is actually reassuring to me of like, oh, okay, good. I'm not alone. Like I'm not the only person who struggles with these things. Yes. Um, so it's, it's helpful. It's helpful to hear that. So, yes. So hopefully 
sanctifying grace, I can make a little more clear. Um, so it's kind of like the flip side of uh, the other side of the coin of justifying grace. So Wesley talks about this real, this relative change and the real change in our hearts. Let's talk about it as our hearts. So that real or that relative change of justifying grace that all that we recognize, okay, God has called me right. There was nothing I could, I have done to earn that. And, but God has marked me as right and good. Now sanctifying grace is actually becoming good. <laughs> so it's the lifelong process of becoming more like God is really what it is. Um, it's and that's the real change that you're really truly changing and growing in your in holiness. You're growing to become more like God. That is so. Does that require action? That does require action on our part of when you yes free will. We're choosing to act, but again, we have just. I always want to make sure that I'm not uh, making it sound like. Um, we are in any way responsible for it because this is always by the power of God. Um, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's almost like opening ourselves up to allow God to change us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm catching on. Yes. I get it. And it requires, It's a. that's why it's like a lifelong thing that you're always growing and can become more like God. Um, God, you are, yes, exactly. Opening up yourself and saying, God, I want to be more like you. And it's God restoring that ability for your heart and for you to become more like God. Cool. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's also like, it's one of those topics that the more questions you ask and the more you dig into it, yeah. the more confusing it becomes because it's a very complex subject. So yes, because it's not concrete. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and honestly, probably the way you experience God's grace is going to be very different from the way yes. I experience it. Like it's a unique Definitely. experience that there can't be a standard definition sure. of what is grace right like, and it's the same for every single person right well okay can you help me make the connection because I think that we uh intertwine grace and salvation often mm -hmm. um I have a little like I don't know uncomfortable relationship with the word salvation sure. sometimes. Sure. So can you explain to me like how grace and salvation are connected? First sure. of all, I mean, maybe how do, how do you de define salvation to sure. begin with? That is a very, I'm glad you said that uh, part about defining it because um, growing up, I grew up in the United Methodist church and I rarely heard the word salvation and <laughs> I had friends who went to other churches and I remember them talking about being saved or that. And I remember one time I just burst out laughing. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, because, <laughs> because I've had people ask me, oh, when were you saved? Yes. I'm like, uh, what? Like, I don't. Right. I think I don't, uh, I don't have a date and time that. I right. And so there is just a wide variety depending on how you read scripture of what salvation is. 
I believe that salvation is healing and reconciliation to God. Mm. And that um, I loved when I've heard, it's probably a professor, we'll attribute it to a professor, um, talking about Wesley's saying that God, or that salvation has been happening, that's been God's plan all along, that um, God has been doing the work of salvation since the very beginning, um, that salvation is our unity with God. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's actually, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but that's one of the things that my therapist explained to me because um, he is of Catholic faith. And okay. so we feel very open. He's not a Christian therapist, but sure. like we feel yeah, yeah, very yeah. open talking about spirituality. And that's, he, he's talking about like the pattern of death and resurrection mm-hmm. and how that's God's constant restoration. It wasn't mm-hmm. just Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like God is showing yeah. us the pattern of death and resu- resurrection over and over and yeah. over again and through the seasons, through like we yeah. talk about new life coming through birth and, yeah. and all of this stuff. And um, it's part of the salvation story of like yes. this constant story that has always been and God has mm-hmm. been constantly unfolding to mm-hmm. us. Um, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's salvation is it. It's um, It's so much bigger than a personal decision to follow Jesus. It's the whole world is experiences salvation. Not I, God is restoring all of creation, um, healing all of God's creation. Um, but yes, we get to be a part of that. Um, so I really understand salvation more as a process versus a moment because mm. it's been going on for forever. Um, well, and that's what, that's one of the questions that I had is like for the definition of like when people do make comments like, are you saved or when were you saved mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. Is it possible to not be saved if grace exists? Uh- you're trying to get me. I'm not trying to get you. I'm not trying no. to get you. I promise. No. It's a curiosity of mine. So what you might be referring to is universal salvation is do you, uh, you might, that's kind of the question that I feel like I'm being asked and not, not I, to yeah, like rag I on could you, say, no, but no, like, no, I could, is salvation, is everybody going to be saved? Is everything going to be saved? Um, yes, I think God, that is God's ultimate desire that everybody would choose to follow God. But since we have freedom of choice, not everybody chooses it. Um, so is it possible? Yeah. Is it the case? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if everybody has chosen it. Um, but it certainly is possible. Mm -hmm. It is universally offered. I will say that. It is offered to absolutely everybody. 
there's no withholding yeah. there. And that's one of the things that I struggle with. I'm telling you, this would mm-hmm. be a whole nother podcast episode, which is I'm already planning. But <laughs> um, I struggle with like we talk about this God of grace. Mm-hmm. God is love. Like mm-hmm. how much God loves each of us individually, everybody mm-hmm. in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we have this idea in our heads that like you have a finite amount of time to accept that love and hmm. grace or else you're punished. And right. I'm like, wait a second. That's completely counter to everything that I learn about mm-hmm. God. Or like you have a certain amount of time. And if you don't get it in that time, then you've missed out. Right. And I'm like that. If it feels to me, if what God wants more than anything in the world for each of us is salvation, God gets what God wants. Like mm-hmm. I would think that God gets what God wants and maybe it's not in the way that we define it on a human level. It's a really valid point. Um, and I think those questions, people should not be afraid of that because that's what makes you seek God more and say, and wrestle with God. I mean, that's what Israel is named, wrestles with God. So I think those are great questions. It's a really valid question, and that's why salvation is a mystery to some degree, but not not a mystery that uh, can't be understood. Richard Rohr calls mysteries um, not something that can't be understood, but something that can be endlessly understood. Oh, girl that? after my own heart, mm. quoting Richard Rohr. Oh, I my love gosh. him. It was that, that man is the cutest in the world. <laughs> I love him so much. Well, and so it, it lends to the question. Obviously, you and I have already mentioned in the Methodist tradition, we don't really talk about salvation mm-hmm. that much, uh, but that's not the case across the broad mm-hmm. spectrum of the Christian faith. Why do you think there is such a focus on salvation? So how one way, one simple way, very simplistic way um, to understand um, that was explained to me when I had that question um, was the... Um, the United Methodist belief is we're trying to make heaven, earth look more like heaven. We're trying to uh, close the gap of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of earth. Um, other people are trying to get more people to heaven. Mm. And so it's a fundamental, almost different definition of what salvation is um so it's what are you doing here and now versus what are you doing to get to there yes and it's um there's the understanding that's a salvation of your soul versus a holistic salvation of bringing justice on the earth not just care, caring about how people experience their this life um, and not just saying, well, you, you accepted Jesus, so you're good to go when you die. Yeah. Um, so I'm not ragging on that, you know, maybe it sounds like I am, but I mean, that's it's just a difference a sim- in understanding. It's a ve- yeah. And that's a very simple breakdown of... Um, sort of the differences is a saving of the soul versus a saving of, um, or not saving, but a restoring the world. Mm. So, so we've mentioned 
a little bit the differences in faith traditions. But going back to grace, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to spend too much time on salvation because sure. we were talking about grace. But there's an it's a clear yeah, connection. It's tied. Yes. And it, it's, yeah. It's hard to unravel it. Sure. But um. How does the Methodist, so you said like provenient grace is pretty unique to Methodism. Um, how does our understanding of grace differ from other Christian faith traditions? It comes down to the freedom of choice and how we, if we are able to respond to it or not. In the Wesleyan tradition, we believe we are able to respond to God's grace. Um, in other traditions, um, it's more about God has chosen who can respond to God's grace. Mm -hmm. Um, God has already uh, destined Mm -hmm. people to choose or not choose God's grace. John Calvin is predetermination, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Predestination. Predestination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so that's that's one of the biggest differences. Um, And that can be boiled down to resistible versus irresistible grace. So one of Calvin's biggest... uh, he has this thing called the tulip or people who are Calvinist have boiled down his beliefs to tulip is an acronym for, I won't go break it down cause I can't remember cause I'm not Calvinist, <laughs> but uh, the I stands for irresistible grace that um, you are unable to choose or resist God's grace that God has determined that for you. Um, in the Methodist church, we, and Wesleyan uh, tradition, we tend to believe that while God's grace is amazing and offer, def, offered to everybody, we are able not to choose it. Mm. We have the ability not to choose it. Um, so that's that's probably the biggest difference. I do think it's interesting, though, like because I, I think about it in terms of like, once you truly encounter God's grace, it is almost irresistible. And not to say that um, if you resist it, it's because you haven't encountered God's sure. grace. That's not fair. That's kind of arrogant to say. But I'll say, like, I, I think that our listeners, anyone who has a conversation uh, with me, it's very clear that I'm oftentimes resistant to God, oh. like, and to faith. And I am an open doubter. Um, this church has created a safe space for me, not only to do that, but to amplify it <laughs> and to say, um, yeah, everybody has doubts. Let's mm-hmm. wrestle. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Ask your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not fear. And I think that the reason I stay and the reason, because honestly, like on paper, there's so many reasons for me and it does feel like I'm constantly resisting, like so many reasons for me maybe to not believe or to Mm -hmm. not continue my faith practice or to not continue to wrestle with these. And some people might say, hey, Alyssa, like you doubt everything so much all the time. Why are you even here? And it's because there's something irresistible about it. Hmm. Like I, there have been moments in my life and ongoing times that I have experienced the grace of God and through people, through like supernatural experiences, through things that I'm just like, yeah, I can't walk away. Is it possible for people to be that extension of God's grace or is the understanding like grace only comes from God? And I guess it depends on like 
how you feel like where God's presence is in the world, but I, I just sure. want to hear your well, take on that. I, I say yes. <laughs> that my answer is <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Um, that I think yes, all grace comes from God, but that's one of the. I say that's one of the best things about God, but I think that's one of the joys that God uses people to part to participate in extending that grace. Um, that I think absolutely God uses people. I think that's how most people experience God is through other people. And it's through our choices of saying yes to God Mm -hmm. and saying, yes, um, I want to be more like God, sanctification. Um, And it absolutely people and the, the church uniquely is able to be an extension of God's grace for sure. Okay, so if we were going to narrow this down, this super complicated, Mm. complex conversation, what is the thing you want people to walk away with from this episode knowing about grace? Ironically, as I was preparing for this, which, believe it or not, I did try to prepare for this, but um, I was freaking out about, well, I hope I can explain this well, Uh, like, do I need to bring in this source. And, and then I, that was one moment where I realized like, but there's grace. <laughs> <laughs> the responsibility is not on exactly. me. <laughs> um, so it was, um, I think one thing I would boil it down to is that grace is readily available for all of us, for absolutely everybody at all times. And there's nothing that we have to do or can do to earn it. And God doesn't expect us to try to earn it. Yeah, that that's helpful because I think that sometimes we get caught up in, and it's just like human nature. We're doers. Mm-hmm. We like having the checklist. We like knowing what's expected of us. Yes. And so we automatically, whether it's taught to us or not, we put these standards on ourselves of yeah. like what we have to do, yes. how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to be as Christians yes. to live up to the expectation of God. Yes. And that is such a human structure that yes. we put on God and grace yeah. is like forget all of that. Exactly. And it's, grace it's kind it's of awesome. Levels the playing field. Grace the uh, great equalizer. Is the great it is a great <laughs> equalizer. It's um yeah, it's just it's everything good. It's freedom. Maybe that's what I want is that people can know that grace means freedom. Well, it's very clear that you love talking about this. I (laughs) wish y'all could see Gracie's face. She has had this permanent smile on her face for the entire conversation. It's not nerves at all. No, no, no. It's pure joy. It's the joy of grace. Uh, Thank you so much, Gracie, for being in this conversation. We will have future conversations about much tougher topics. Great. Perfect. And I will try not to stumble. This was just through. the starting point. Um, no, you did fantastic. I'm glad I haven't Thank scared you, There's you grace. off yet. There's grace. Yes. Grace, grace abounds. Grace abounds for Gracie and grace abounds for you, yes. listener. So thank you so much. And uh, hey, we'll catch you next time you're on our uh, Life Plus God podcast. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. 
If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. Next week's episode will be brought to you by Men in Progress, a monthly podcast series hosted by the United Methodist Men of Treach to explore challenges faced by men.